Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. Hi, everyone. This is Steve Edison, author of Pioneering Movements, and you're listening to The Engaging Missions Show. Welcome to The Engaging Mission Show with Brian Ensminger. We are bringing missions home. Each week, we hear from missionaries, ministry leaders, disciple makers, and church planters as they share about God's work in their lives and ministries. Like us, they are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Hi, and welcome to the Engaging Missions Show. In this week's episode, we're going to talk about storytelling, about God, the Garden of Eden, and choices, about the value of the Old Testament in sharing the gospel. But before we get into that, I wanted to share a couple of iTunes reviews. This is Rami from the UK shares that Brian is a fantastic host. He said that I've only recently come across Brian's podcast, but I found the content to be very refreshing and thought-provoking. He not only makes you question what you're doing to benefit others, but also what you could do more. The guests he interviews are varied, and that helps keep the content feeling fresh. Thanks, Brian. Keep up the great work. Lee. And then Daniel J. Lewis, who's another podcaster, shared great stories and inspiration. Brian does a great job of pulling stories from his guests. Not only will this motivate you, but I think it will also open your eyes to the wide field of Christian missions work. I think you'll discover or learn how to better pray for missionaries, recognize how you can support missions work, and discover opportunities to participate yourself. So, Lee and uh, Daniel, if you're listening, thank you so much for those kind reviews. That means a lot. I really appreciate that. And for you as a listener, if you're listening and you'd like to leave a review, you can do that by visiting engagingmissions.com slash iTunes, and I've got some information there for you. I also wanted to share that I've got a couple of friends, Kurt and Tina Bryce who are in the process of raising funds to go to Kenya. If you're interested, if you happen to know them, or if you're just interested in helping them with that, just shoot me a note to feedback at engagingmissions.com. I'd be glad to connect you. And then one other thing before we get into this, I did want to share that Engaging Missions is now on Instagram. So I would love to see your smiling faces as you're listening to the podcast. It can feel a little bit one-sided because you're hearing from me, but I don't always know who's on the other end. So if you're interested, take a picture of yourself listening to the show and then just tag at engaging mission on Instagram. And I'd love to see that from you. Then keep your eyes open because we are working still on launching the leadership moment podcast all by itself. We're just in the process of transferring files. It takes a little bit of time, but we've got that going on with that. We're going to get right into this week's episode. 
All right, let's get started. I am really happy to have a special guest with us today. We're going to use the name Andrea for security reasons. She has a strong history in media production and in storytelling. She works with leaders from over a 100 countries to raise up people to share the Bible using a method called Simply the Story. She's also the executive director of The God Story. Andrea, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brian. Glad to be here. Hallelujah. Yeah, no kidding. It was so great to get you on the line tonight. I, I'm really excited for what, what I think that God's going to do in this. I've given just a little bit of an introduction, just kind of a high-level overview, and I know that you can't share everything because of the security concerns, but can you share a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do? Well, my name is Andrea, and I, uh, I am the executive director of the God Story Project, and I have been for just a little bit over uh, of over a year. I started out doing special projects years ago with the God Story Project, working with Dorothy Miller, who was a key founder to this ministry, and I spent several years working with her as special projects and then moved on to be the international uh, development coordinator. And uh, so I'm, I've got a long history of working in orality, working with Bible stories, and, of course, God's story from creation to eternity and knowing the reasons why these tools are so effective. So why are these tools so effective? Well, let's start with uh, God's story. Yeah. We learned long ago that people started using God's story and found that they were reaching more people than they were than what they were using. And not only were hands being raised, but even six months, a year later, they discovered that the people were still growing in their walk with the Lord. There was no trouble finding, oh, where's the church? It's there. So God's story is we started to look back and knowing Dorothy's history with working uh, through the Bible, we discovered it's storytelling, which is a majority of the Bible. It's chronological was a really, really big key piece uh, to helping people understand who Jesus is and why he came. And it starts in the beginning, which is also a key piece. And several ministries out there, such as New Tribes, have discovered this as well. So those, coupled with a few other things, we started seeing tremendous results. And I actually started applying that in my own personal life. As I told people about Jesus, I started in the Old Testament. And in about 15 minutes, I found a very effective way of reaching people who had at points before said no to Jesus. Wow, that's great. Now, as we were talking before we started recording, you mentioned that you'd like to share your favorite Bible story, and I would love to hear that from you. Would you mind doing that? Sure. Well, one of my favorite Bible stories is actually Genesis 3. For multiple reasons. One, it's that perfect situation. Adam and his wife are in the garden. Everything's going great. They have all the food they need, all the trees that are pleasing to the eye. They have walked, they've walked with God. God talks to them. It's a wonderful situation. There's temptation in the garden, which is very real to our lives today. And then you see a little bit later in that story when they've actually disobeyed God eaten of the fruit, that God is still in the garden looking for them, wanting to spend time with them, asking them questions, Adam and his wife questions, and find and God provides ways to cover them in their sin. It's just like this big giant wrapping of the Bible in one chapter. It's just incredible. Um, and, and, you know, there's certain points in that story, such as 
that are so amazing that I think we as people overlook. And that is, you know, when, when, uh, Adam's wife is talking to the serpent and she takes the fruit and she eats it and she gives it to her husband who was with her. That actually astounds a lot of people because that's a point they overlook. Adam was right there with her when she ate the fruit. And at what point were their eyes open? Was it when the wife took the fruit and ate it or was it when Adam took the fruit and ate it? And that's an interesting thing to discuss as well. Anyways, it's just such a wonderful story. Yeah, so I was I was actually going to ask some follow-up questions about what were the things that you typically draw out of that that other people don't, but you've already kind of gone there. So, well, yeah, that, you know, and as I think about that scripture, you know, there are, I think, several different kinds of stories in the Bible, several different places where we see so much of the entire story of the Bible summed up in, in one, uh, one story. Also, I mean, you know, also Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, like that whole thing, the, the children of Israel being called out, uh, in, into the promised land, all of that stuff. I see that everywhere. What was it about this story that made it stand out as compared to the others? Again, you know, I've talked with a lot of people. How many people do we talk to in life who say, I struggle with this thing or I struggle with that thing? I think we could all raise our hands and say, that's me too. And I think the thing is, we all, we as people like to say, well, my parents brought me up this way or I couldn't resist or we like to give excuses. But the facts are, in that story, do we see Adam and his wife doing what they know is not what God wants them to do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, you're shaking your head and uh, saying yes. And the fact is, even uh, his Adam's wife says, and the Lord said, we can't eat it, nor can we touch it or we'll die. Well, she added a bit, but she definitely knew she couldn't eat it. Right. Adam knew he couldn't eat it. And yet in a perfect world, in a perfect situation, did Adam and his wife have a choice? Yeah. You betcha. They had a choice, and they chose to do what they thought was wise in their own eyes, and they and they wanted to know good and evil. They wanted to be like God, knowing good and evil, because that's what Satan tempted them tempted them with, and it was a choice they made. And so we have choices in life, and I think for me personally, it really makes me realize that I cannot use the excuse of my mom and dad. I can't use the excuse of oh, this devil made me do it. The bottom line is I personally have choices and I make my choices. Yeah. You know, the, the whole idea of the, the tree of, uh, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, both being in the garden. That's one that I still struggle with. I, I know the logic behind it, but at the same time, I'm going seriously, two trees. <laughs> Because I, I know me. I know that as much as I'd like to think that I would do better, I wouldn't. I, I've met myself. And so, yeah, it, it's it's like, ah, why, why two trees? <laughs> and, and that's a great question, Brian. Have you come to any kind of conclusion in that? You know, from what I've studied and what I've heard, it's, it always comes down to that choice, that there can't be the ability to choose God if there's not also the ability to choose not God. Hmm. And there can't be the ability to choose to not believe God if, or to, to believe God if there isn't a choice to not believe God. Mm-hmm. Um, and did, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to ask, did God give these same choices to the angels? It would seem like. Mm. Yeah, I, you know, I guess I can't think through the scripture and really come up with a definitive answer, although clearly some of them, well, he must have given that choice. 
because some mm-hmm. of them chose not, even though I, I see no record of a tree, you know, involved in Lucifer's fall and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But he did give choices to the angels and he gave choices to the people as well. And I think you hit the nail on the head. What's God going to know about us? Except by, you know, well, it's not a good question, but you, you get the picture. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, but I, I appreciate you bringing that out because I'd never really considered that, that shading of it. So that's great. It, like I said, I was really excited to get you on the show. As, as we think about your life and ministry, it can seem a lot of times, especially when you get a newsletter from somebody that everything's just puppies and kittens and rainbows, but there are also <laughs> challenges in our lives. Would you mind sharing with us a time when you faced a significant challenge? Well, my puppy did die at one point. Oh, no, I'm so sorry. And see, I work for a pet food company, so that means a lot to me. Actually, yeah, no, I mean, I think life is just full of challenges, and I think what really shapes us is what we do with those challenges that we we have. And, like, for example, I think one of the most difficult challenges I've had over the last couple of years has been that my mentor and one of my best friends, Dorothy Miller, passed away. Hmm. So at the same time that I was grieving, I was also in the position of leading a ministry. So that that was, it's still a challenge, but not quite like it was last year. But the challenge being, okay, I can't grieve the same way as if I had the previous job I had because my job is new. Hmm. And the job being to lead the ministry. And I've, I've got people all over the world who are uh, calling, texting, emailing, and they're needing me to step in and help them in one way or another. And that's a real challenge when part of what I want to do is just cry. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, but I, I love the people. And I think, you know, the only way I've gotten through this over the last year or two or anything in life has been simply because of God's grace. So, so how has God gotten you through that? You know, what are the specific things that he's put in your life that have helped? Uh, well, first, the biggest thing is his word. The Psalms and the Proverbs and a lot of other scriptures will help, have helped and will continue to help minister to me on a personal level. And I think, you know, God just saying, it's okay. It's okay. If I don't answer an email right this minute, it's okay. Hmm. So, I think letting, knowing the difference between what I need to do versus putting something on my shoulders that isn't necessarily needed right now, that's helped. And that's by, you know, again, God saying it's okay. Wow, that's good. That, I mean, that's almost quotable, right? Just God saying it's okay. <laughs> that's huge. Hmm. Do you have, <laughs> do you have any personal habits, maybe anything that you do regularly that you believe contributes to what God's been able to do in your life and ministry? I'd like to say I'm some queen and I spend a lot of time in the word and I pray 15 hours a day. And quite frankly, Brian, I'm just an average person like everybody else. I spend time with the Lord. I do pray. I spend time in his word. Uh, there's, there's a lot of things I do, but I think the pers- biggest personal habit is uh, my time with him. And everything else that helps is just simply God is quite merciful and he provides a lot of grace and I'm quite happy to receive it. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, that's great. I really appreciate you sharing that. It, it reminded me just recently I was talking to another podcaster and he asked me about my routine and how I, you know, the disciplines in my life. And I was like, okay, here's how it is, but you need to understand the way this is in my life is because I need it this way. Mm. Not because I'm a man of great discipline or anything like that. It's because if I don't do this, <laughs> it's not going to be a good situation. <laughs> that's wisdom. Yeah. Well, with that, we do need to go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to shift our focus and we'll talk a little bit more about your ministry. Take your leadership to the next level. It's time for the Foundational Missions Leadership Moment with Scott McClelland of FX Missions. Hi, Scott McClelland. Thanks for joining us. We're talking about security and leadership for several sessions here. Last time we talked about discomfort and inconvenience. Uh, pushing forward from there, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, God's grace in influence and uh, not only in leadership, but in following. We need to be good at both of these things if we're going to be great examples of God's grace in action, which I think is our opportunity in this life. Um, you know, we, we think about the scripture that by God's grace or by his uh, his goodness, that he holds all things together uh, by the goodness of his power. I, rem- I can't remember the exact scripture, the way it reads, but we, we know there there's a scripture there where God holds all things together uh, by his word and by who he is. Even by that same grace sometimes, though, God lets all things fall apart. <laughs> this is when we're in for an education, I guess. Um, if you're walking along and you have responsibility and the things under your hand or in your responsibility area begin to fall apart, don't fall apart with them. Realize that sometimes in God's grace, this is part of our education. By things under our hand that are falling apart, we need to be careful not to let our self-concept get attached to, hey, I can't do anything right and all those kind of things. Often we're going through things uh, dematerializing or being challenged as a part of our discipline and instruction from the Lord. We can think about Jesus feeding the 5,000. He, he, there was quite a group there. Everything looked like momentum. Uh, we see this in the book of John. And in the ne- very next chapter, he, he says some things that causes almost everyone to leave. Well, that is a parallel to what we're talking about here. Things are falling apart. And uh, was his self-concept challenged in that time? I'm sure he was tempted. But uh, we, we need to realize our we're being disciplined and instructed uh, by the Lord, not only on, the, on what seems to be positive notes, but sometimes things that are hard to stomach. Um, in this process, we learn a lot. We'll double back on what we learn on that on the next uh, session of the Leadership Moment. Thanks for joining us. I'm Scott McClellan. Contact me or us at fxmissions.com. We'll see you next time. Have a good one. This Leadership Moment was produced in partnership with Engaging Missions. Have your leadership question answered by contacting Scott at scott at fxmissions.com. Visit FX Missions to learn more about how you can grow your leadership and engage in missions. Visit engagingmissions.com for encouragement, insight, and resources from missionaries, ministry leaders, and church planters.
We're back with Andrea, and we've been talking about some of the things that God's done in her life and and who she is. We've gotten to know a little bit about her favorite Bible story, but now we're going to shift our focus and talk more about the ministry because she is the executive director of the God Story. She's involved with simply the story. So, Andrea, would you mind sharing with us maybe some some more of the specifics around what it is that you do in your ministry? Sure. Years ago, we started out with God's story from creation to eternity. And in 1998, we had the mandate from the Lord and the production company to start uh, getting God's story into world languages. Hmm. And we're up to now 340 plus languages. And in some places, we are the only scripture those language groups have. And what makes God's story from creation to eternity so powerful, again, is it starts in creation and it goes through eternity. And for 48 minutes, it lays down a very solid foundation in the Old Testament so that by the time it gets to Jesus, people then recognize who he is and why Jesus came. See, people don't have a problem with Jesus. You know, Muslims believe he's a prophet. Uh, Hindus can add another god to their 330 million gods. It's not a problem. Mm-hmm. Where the issue lies is that people don't recognize him as Lord. And so that foundation is very, very critical in in uh, pretty much most of the people I meet in, in talking to them about who Jesus is. So that's God's story. And in 2006, we started to recognize the need to reach oral learners, and people kept asking us for more, for more after God's story. And so 2006 is when simply the story began. And we took uh, Dorothy Miller's tremendous experience in leading small group Bible studies, plus our understanding of how oral learners think, and our experience from God's story and wove it all into a method that can be applied to anything in scripture. And that method is inductive Bible study oral style. Would you mind sharing with us a little bit about how that inductive Bible study oral style works? Sure. The questions that we design and the process that we have designed that allow people to learn the Bible story and take it from just being in their head to being in their heart pocket has allowed people to uh, dig deeper into the Word. And that digging deeper into the Word and pulling out what God has for us in that in that story is allowing people to see things they've never seen before. So... Um, Let's just take, for example, I've got a, a number of pastors from around the world who, who have said, I've been to Bible school, I've been to seminary, I've been studying the scriptures for this many years, and I've never seen these things before. I've got hundreds of quotes in my email from people like that. So it is another tool that people can put in their tool belt and use wherever they go. And it also bridges the gap between people who have gone to seminary and learn a tremendous amount in, in, in the Bible schools and the seminaries. The gap is how do they take what they've learned and pass it on to the people who most of them are oral learners in their church, out in the villages, wherever they're going. And so that's where we come in is we offer that other tool and allow people to go do a Bible story and allow people to dig deep in the Bible story together. Okay, that's good. Now, 
you can tell me if this isn't going to work, but I'm wondering, you know, we don't have a whole lot of time in this interview, but can you maybe help us lay a foundation or a little bit of a framework for how we might do this as far as beginning to approach uh, an inductive Bible study with, with Bible stories? Well, sure. I'll try to wrap five days of training into five minutes. Give me a minute. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I figured. Uh, there, there are ways. I mean, I think the biggest key is asking good questions. And we, we have a set of questions, but it's not a pat set of questions. The questions are designed to spur on discussion and then to apply the skills of listening and responding. All throughout Scripture, you see the Lord ask questions. In Back in that garden story, when, when Adam and his wife both realized their eyes were open and they, they saw, saw that they were naked, they hid mm-hmm. themselves when they heard God walking in the garden during the cool time of the day, right? Now, God could have gone out into the garden and said, you know, Adam, come forward now, you sinner. You know, he didn't say that. Instead, he calls out to Adam, where are you? Now, either that question, either God really didn't know where the man that he created was hiding, or there's something else in that question. And so Adam comes out and said, I heard your voice and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And God then asks another question. Who told you you were naked? Did you eat of the fruit that I commanded you not to? He asked two more questions. So there is a value in asking good strategic questions. And then the second thing is, guess what? God's follow-up questions weren't because he just couldn't think of anything else to say. He's actually listening to what Adam is saying, and he's responding. So throughout those, throughout those stories in scripture, I think those are some key principles to apply. Now, we teach a lot, and you, anyone can feel free to go to our website and download the handbook for simply the story for free. That's not a problem. And so, um, I think just learning to ask good questions, listen and respond, dig into the story, find out could God have done something different but he didn't. What do we learn about God from what he did ask? What do we learn about Adam from his responses to God? So I think, and after we've discovered certain things in these Bible stories, then we can take some time and figure out, well, it's good information, but how does that apply to our lives today? That's that's a real key piece. So, for example, you know, we discover that God is actually talking to the man who's just disobeyed him. He's talking to Adam. He's going after him, not in a negative way, but wanting to spend time with him still. So today, are there times where we face situations where we've messed up or sinned against God or disobeyed him in any way? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you're doing this because I was actually going to ask if we could go back to the passage that we had referenced before and kind of go through this process. So yes, we absolutely see people doing that. We, we've mm-hmm. seen me doing that from time to time. Oh, yeah, I'm, 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 I've got my hand raised right now. It's a good thing you can't see me. <laughs> so knowing that God still goes after Adam today, how might God still come after us and want to spend time with us when we've disobeyed him? As far as the how question? Um, yeah, in what ways? Man, in, in every way. I can look at... And this is just, I guess, testimony time. I can look at my life and see how God's pursued me over the years in some really dark places where I had no business being. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he went after me in a variety of ways, you know, th- through 
um, through movies that reminded me of truth, even even ungodly movies that reminded me of truth, through people speaking into my life, through relationships that God put into my life, through people that worked for me. I mean, just a cr- just just crazy how how many times God came after me. Wow! And how did that make you respond to Him? You know, initially, I don't know that I was open to it, <laughs> but ultimately, <laughs> but ultimately, if I look back over the last couple of decades, I can say that there's, <laughs> there's been a transformation and it's, it, yeah, it has very little to do with me, right? It's, it's just a little bit of submission and a whole lot of him. So as a result of that, what, what might you learn about God from the fact that he kept coming and saying, Brian, Brian, I'm here, I'm here and giving you truth. How would, how, what have you learned about God from all that? You know, I, I, for me, I kind of go back to that, um, the scripture that says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens, you know, here's my voice and opens the door, I'll come in. And I'm like, man, how many days, weeks, years did he stand at the door and knock? And he kept going. I mean, he, he was persistent, crazy persistent. Yeah. And for me personally, I mean, it just tells me how much he loves me and he just doesn't want me out of his sight, so to speak, you know, I just, <laughs> That persistence is love. It's, it's just care and it's just giving, allowing me to do my choices, but still wanting me to be with him. Yeah. Pretty amazing, huh? Yeah. It's, it's pretty, it is pretty amazing. As, as I'm thinking about what it is that you're doing, you know, you're ministering with people from over a hundred countries, uh, some of which are probably not, um, easy access. That, that can't be easy. What is it that fuels your passion? What fuels my passion? Yeah, or, or what is your passion? Maybe we'll go there. Um, my passion is to get the Word of God into people's heart pockets, to get it so that people, if it, the Word of God isn't in our heart pocket, we can't know God. If we have to keep, you know, God is going to be either somebody that we think he is because we don't know the Word, and the Word tells us who he is, or it's going to be when we sit down and we look into his word, if we forget what we hear, we're like that man who looks into the mirror and turns around and immediately forgets what he looks like. So we're supposed to continually spend time in God's word, and he tells us to meditate on it day and night. I think it's absolutely possible to meditate on God's word day and night because he tells us in a, several areas throughout scripture that that's possible. And the only way I've discovered to be able to do that is to have God's word in our heart. Now, regardless of the method, whether it's through literate methods or oral methods, that, that's not my passion. My passion is, oh God, is to know Jesus in the fullness of who he is. And the more I spend time in his word, the more I meditate on his word, the more it changes and affects what I do in life. Wow, that's good. You know, several times now you've used the phrase having God's word in your heart pocket. What what brought you to that particular phrase? Um, I'd like to claim it as my own, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> uh it Dorothy Miller came up with it and unfortunately I don't remember when it came up, but basically as we spent time learning these Bible stories, we realized it was no longer just in our head. It was affecting what we did on a daily basis because we could actually talk about the word without opening up the scriptures because we had learned the stories with accuracy. Hmm. And so we found that it was in our heart and we decided, you know, I think Dorothy at that point decided, well, it's in our heart pocket and we can pull it out any time. Like you see a shirt with a chest pocket. 
That, that's interesting. I, I, I had never, ever heard that phrase before you mentioned it, so I'm really glad to hear where that came from. As you think about the, the ministry that you have and what it is that you're doing, what kinds of changes do you see coming in the future, or what kinds of things are exciting you about it? Well, we have a lot of things that are exciting me. We've been uh, working with the Bible stories on radio, believe it or not, for the last several years with some tremendous results. In the Philippines, the station that's been doing uh, the Bible stories through our instructor there has gone from being a relatively unknown radio station to be wanting to being one of the top three stations in the Philippines. Hmm. Uh, in other places around the world, we've been told, like in the Middle East, that the stations that the the, the programming that gets the most response were was both the Bible storyteller and God story. And in another place, believe it or not, in a very, very Muslim context as well, um, the results of these these in-depth, inductive Bible stories on radio are causing many Muslims to come to the Lord, to the point that we have to be very careful with our leaders there, mm. because their lives are in danger. Now, so I, I, I'm very excited to continue to develop the radio side because of the fruit we're seeing. I'm excited to develop the children's curriculum. It has been in the works for, uh, probably about a year and then it was put on hold last year as some of the transition took place. We're still in a transition. However, we're picking up the children's curriculum and working on pieces of it now. And that's going to implement simply the story as well as God's story in it. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to ask, you've mentioned that you've got this this kind of thing on radio. I know that Brian Thompson has a podcast where he shares stories about Bible stories. Is there anything like that where you're doing the inductive story on a medium like a podcast? On a medium, that is one of the develop. That's one of the items in development. We're actually doing, we're, going to be developing those podcasts in multiple languages. Hmm. And uh, right now it's a matter of getting the equipment to our people as well as figuring out in which context, which method works best because there are several methods. And some methods have in-studio discussion live. Some methods are pre-recorded with discussion and people in studio. Some method needs to be a single storyteller with call-ins, et cetera. So there's multiple methods, and each one takes a slightly different uh, training for it. Hmm. That, that's really interesting. I'm really excited to hear, to hear that you're headed that direction. I, I think that's really cool. One of the things that really sub- surprised me when we started publishing our church's sermons was that we were getting downloads from places we didn't even know you could get sermons <laughs> into. Uh, and, and, I mean, it wasn't a whole lot, but you're thinking, what if one person hears, right? So, yeah, that's really cool. With that, we are going to need to go ahead and take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to shift our focus one last time. And we're going to talk about the, the harvest field and the listeners. Amen. Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Mission Show. Yeah, I think it's really easy to hide behind my opinions and my my views and also my passions, especially as an artist and a musician type personality, and and then set aside the people that God has put in my life to speak into my life. Um, and obviously, 
in his word, you know, just keeping that before me. But also our organization requires um, that each of our missionaries have an advisory council and a mentor. And the advisory council um, is getting the right people around me to do that, give advice, healthy, godly, wise advice. And then a mentor that is challenging me to go deeper and go farther and ask the hard questions. And so I have both of those. And that's one of the ways that has been really tremendously valuable is um, making sure that I'm not lazy about that and then getting prayer around that. So I also have a prayer team um, that helps me. So yeah, that's kind of how I do my accountability. (laughs) If you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of the Engaging Mission Show. Subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. We are back with Andrea. We've had a brief break. And while we were on that break, we talked a little bit, and she was sharing a little bit about some of the the things that make her or what they're doing, very specific. Andrea, would you mind sharing with us some of the the specifics and what it is that makes the particular method you're using unique? Sure. One of the things that makes simply the story unique is in a a regular training, a non-reader can learn side-by-side with a literate person and get the exact same training. Our training isn't just about teaching orality or oral methods. It's teaching this in an oral way. So the people who really struggle with our training the most actually are literate people, but oral people or people who cannot read pick it up extremely quickly. Let me give you an example. I was talking to a pastor that went down to Peru to teach this to uh, a Bible school. Well, most of the people in that Bible school were Peruvians, whereas some of the people were actually from America. And the people who struggled the most were the Americans, but the people from Peru picked it up very quickly. And we have heard this same thing happening in Africa, in Asia, in Europe. As a matter of fact, even in Europe, a man came up to me after one of our illustrations and said to me, how did I know that's how non-literate people put themselves forward. In other words, I'd use the demonstration of having a pen in the pocket, wearing reading glasses and carrying a Bible as the way that some non-literates hide their inability to read, which is simply just a skill. Hmm. That's to do with smarts. It's just a skill. And he came up and said, how did I know? And I said, how did I know what? And he said, well, I have been ministering the gospel for years with the Bible open on my desk. And I just learned to read last year. Hmm. And that's what he did. He would carry the Bible with them so people didn't know he couldn't read. And I think there's a lot more non-readers in our area than we realize. Let me give you another story. This man named Junior came to help us experiment with one of the tools that we were developing along with several other people. And after looking and do, experimenting with the tool, he came up to Dorothy and said, can I come to the training? And Dorothy said, of course. And he said, well, can I bring my son? Well, sure, you can bring your son. And we found out about midway through the training that the reason Junior brought his son is because he Junior himself could not read, but his son could read. And Junior thought this would be a training like several others where he would need to be able to read and write in order to learn it. What he discovered was 
he could instantly learn this with his son and not have to take any notes. Junior was the first one to go out and use what he learned in our training uh, midway through through the training. The pastor came up and said, you know, he said, he's, I just saw Junior telling Bible stories to people at the laundromat. Hmm. Now, Junior being homeless, he couldn't read. And believe it or not, he had spent time in jail and had uh, had his brain a little bit messed up from uh, heroin addiction. Hmm. And this is the man going out and doing Bible stories with people out there. And he told the pastor, I can do this. Wow. So we're unique in the way we teach. That, that's pretty amazing. As we think about people who are in the marketplace, one of the thing, one of the comments you had sent was that uh, Jesus makes the statement that the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Can you share a little bit about your perspective on that? Sure. Uh, I shared a little bit earlier, and I'll just kind of continue. Jesus, the problem has never been the harvest. However, what happens is, I think. We, there's two things there. So the way we interpret people's responses, thinking, okay, there's not really a big harvest field out there because, well, there's so many people rejecting what I'm bringing. Well, maybe they're rejecting what I'm bringing, being the gospel of Jesus Christ, because of the way I'm bringing it. And mm-hmm. we, we as people don't necessarily want to look to ourselves as being the problem to begin with because, well, that says, well, maybe I'm wrong. No. <laughs> It says, maybe I need to find a better way. So uh, I think part of that is how we interpret people's responses. And the second problem is, if Jesus says the laborers are few, then we have to stand back and say, why are the laborers few? He says for us to pray for the laborers. And I think sometimes there's a real... Uh, junior being an example, there's a there's a boatload of laborers that we have neglected to uh, bring into the labor force because they don't fit something we think they should have in order to be laborers in the harvest field. Maybe they can't read. Maybe they're like uh, in Africa. Well, let me give you a story. Maybe they're an old widowed woman. Hmm. And this, this particular story comes to mind. When we were getting ready to do a training, our, our, our leader was getting ready to do a, lang- uh, a training in Ethiopia the pastor came to the leader at the beginning of the training and said, send that old woman home. And uh, the the leader said, well, why? And the pastor said, she's old, she's a woman, and she can't read. Three strikes against her. Hmm. And the instructor wisely asked, well, what's she going to do at home? I don't know, probably nothing. He said, well, let's just let her stay and see what happens. Do you know that woman has planted three or four churches since the training? <laughs> <laughs> three or four churches in the first year since the training. And that's not the first time I've heard that came out of Kenya, came out of Ethiopia. And I'm hearing several stories of people being relegated to the sidelines because of not meeting a preconceived idea that we have for somebody to be a laborer in the harvest field. That's another issue. Wow, that's a big deal. For for those of you who are listening, I'd like to just key in on that and ask you the question, is there somebody in your life that God would have you minister to or God would have you equip that you're saying, I don't know, they don't really seem like the right person for that? And just mm. just put that out there. I don't have the answer for you. I'm just asking you to ask that question to God. 
Andrea, you also mentioned that there's huge value in both the Old Testament and the New Testament as they relate to the harvest field. Can you share more about that? Absolutely. Uh, I was in the Middle East at one point, and I was walking through the souk, which is an is a mall in the Middle East, kind of what we would call a mall. And I noticed some guys wearing yellow T-shirt that says, life is no joke. And I also noticed that the people they were hanging out with were the ones that wore the long robes and had the beards. And instantly I knew they were Islamic evangelists. I don't know how else to say it. Mm-hmm. So knowing the answer... I went up and asked the question, what does your shirt mean? <laughs> and he said, this this man said, well, can I tell you a story? I said, sure, on one condition. When you're done, I get to tell you a story. <laughs> he said, okay. So he started telling me about the birth, the virgin birth, the life, and the near death of Jesus on the cross. Hmm. And I thought, well, that's interesting. This guy actually thinks I'm a Christian. How did he figure that out? Where did he get his training? Why is he telling me these stories? Why is he telling me the stories of Jesus? What's the point here? So these are questions going through my mind. Mm-hmm. When, we were, when we were done, I said, okay, my turn. He said, okay, what Jesus story do you want to tell? So instantly he's thinking, I want to tell a Jesus story. I said, no, I don't think I want to do a Jesus story. I think I uh, ever heard of Adam and his wife, Eve, in the, in the garden? He said, quizzically, yes. I said, well, that's a story I wanted to. And if you could have seen his face, it was curious as to why I'd want to go back to the Old Testament. And the facts are this. We spent 45 minutes in the soup, talking about the Adam uh, and Eve story in the garden. And it was a common ground from which to start. Muslims, Hindus, you know, talking about creator God, uh, animists, they all know they come from something. They're just not sure which God. Is it the God of the tree, the God of the rock? I mean, we ingra- innately know that we come from somewhere. When we start in the Old Testament, we connect. It's a bridge. It is a place to start from, and it it allows people to fill in some of the gaps in their minds as to what's missing. And that missing part helps them then to understand Jesus. Wow, that's good. Now, Andrea, we are just about out of time. I'm wondering, is there a, if people want to learn more, is there a way for them to connect with you or to learn more? Sure, they can go to our website, simplythestory.org. There's a lot of free resources under the resources and then gifts tab. There's a lot of stories and testimonies about how this is working all over the world. We have some information on our website about our oral Bible schools, which are very unique as well, and our oral Bible schools are across the world as well. Uh, they can call us at uh, 951-658-1619. I'm hoping I said that right. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't usually call myself. Uh, but again, I think that's 951-658-1619. And there's a number of ways they can get a hold of us. 
Andrea, thanks so much for being here. And for those of you who have joined us to listen, this has been Andrea from Simply the Story. You can find more information by visiting simplythestory.org or stop by the show notes page at engagingmissions.com slash Andrea for more information, links, resources, show notes, everything like that. I hope that you really enjoyed this. I hope that you got a lot out of this and that God has inspired or challenged or moved you in some way that's been meaningful. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this, along with show notes, by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. Audio editing was provided by Jeff Butterworth of Sound Paradigm Studio. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.